Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. An elderly couple are sitting together to have dinner one evening. And the husband says to his wife, takes a deep breath, and he says, I'm so sorry for overreacting so much. I just come to this realization uh, and I'm sorry that I'm often angry at you so many times. How do you always manage to stay cool and calm when I explode like that? So the wife looks up from her food and she takes a deep breath too and she says to her husband, well, I always just go and clean the toilet bowl whenever you do that. Really? The husband says, that helps? You just clean the toilet bowl? And the wife says, of course it helps, because I clean the toilet bowl using your toothbrush. (laughs) Wives don't get any idea, all right? I was thinking whether to give you that example or not. But we are in the second part of our series that we call Reactions Speak Louder Than Words. Last week, this is what we talked about. We said, we said last week that actions may speak louder than words, but reactions speak louder than both, right? Than either. It's actually very easy for us to act when things go our way. It's easy. Everybody can do it. But how you react when things don't go your way, it will reveal who you really, really are. And a lot of people, they overreact a lot. That's why we stop and stare at them when they overreact because we know that the response, it doesn't deserve, you know, the, that kind of, the reaction doesn't des- deserve the stimulus that uh, was experienced. And so we talk about how it is important for us as followers of Jesus, especially if you claim to be followers of Jesus, to learn to underreact in those circumstances because when you underreact, you also make people stop and stare and think, wow, how come he doesn't explode? How come he can remain calm? And so on. And that's why we want to reveal, this an opportunity for us to, to reveal the Jesus in us. As we continue this series, I want to get really, really practical this morning. One of the most common overreaction that we all do is this one that we call anger. Anger. Someone explains anger this way, and I think it's really good and it's really funny. Anger is like having a child in your car, all right? You don't let the child to drive the car, but you also don't stuff the child inside the boot either, all right? And for most people, this is the only two ways they know how to react. They either let anger to drive the car, they let anger to drive their emotion, to drive their life. So they burst, they yell, they even get emotional and they get violent and they hit, right? If that's you, I'm telling you, you need help. Maybe it is important for you to see a professional counselor if that's you. That's one way to respond to anger. You let anger to drive the car. But another response is also quite common, which is to stuff anger deep inside your body. But that's not good either because then you will grow resentful, you become bitter, and it causes all kinds of ailment and illness in your life, both mentally and physically as well. So the reason why people only know how to respond in these two ways is because they don't know any other ways to respond to anger. 
So that's why we want to talk about it this morning. The first thing you got to know is this, that anger is actually a real problem. I know a lot of people try to normalize anger by saying, hey, we're only human, you know, everyone gets angry from time to time. That's fine. It's normal. Well, it's normal, but imagine if you are the victim of anger. Some of you here, unfortunately, you are still reeling from, from the damaged relationships that happened because your parents were so angry at you growing up all the time. So anger is fine until you become the victim of it. But that's not the only reason why it's important for us to talk about anger. It's actually deeper than that. This is what the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul has uh, the possible has to say about this, all right? He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? This is the reason why, and it's so important. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And let me tell you, God desires to produce righteousness in you. Now, let me get this straight so that you know what I'm talking about, right? Especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's important for you to know that the righteousness that we have can only be a gift. None of us is perfect. That's why we love our slogan here, no perfect people allowed. But do you know that righteousness is a gift from God? Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. So identity-wise, God, when He sees you, He considers you righteous already. You are God's child. You are God's son. You are, you are God's daughter, all right? But that identity should produce in you the righteous acts that God desire so that He could bless other people around you. And guess what? Not only... Does human anger not produce righteousness in you? It does not produce righteousness in the people around you as well. And it is God's desire, just like He wants to produce righteousness in you, He wants to produce righteousness in your children, in your, in your husband, in your, in your wife, in your community. And that's why it is important for us to manage our anger really, really well. This is what Jesus is talking about when He says, you lose an opportunity when you succumb to reaction, when you succumb to anger, and so on. I want you to write this down if you're a note-taker, all right? If you're not a note-taker, maybe you're a photo-taker, I want you to take this photo. And it's very important. I want you to know this well, all right? I always lose when I lose my temper. Not only do you lose an opportunity to be a good witness for Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, but when you, was, when you succumb to your temper, when you lose your temper, you lose respect, you may lose your friends, you may lose your job, you may lose your marriage even, right? You may lose your health physically and mentally. So that's imp it's important that you don't succumb, you don't lose your temper, especially if you are in a position of authority. Let me talk to you. If you're a principal, school teacher, if you're a pastor, you're a parent, you're a boss, if you're in a position, in, if you are in a position of authority, this is even more important. And the reason is this. The reason is this, all right? Anger is self-reinforcing because sometimes it produces short-term results. You get angry and your staff behaves, right? You get angry and your child obeys. So you get satisfaction. satisfaction. You said, aha, my anger works. But it's, it only works in the short term, right? Experts all agree. In the long run, anger produces uh, resentment. It produces 
other angles, right? It produces alienation and resentment from in people, okay? How many children right now are alienated from their parents? They don't want to have anything to do with their parents anymore because of the anger issue they had growing up with their parents. The good news is God wants to help. That's why we want to talk about it this morning. The first thing we need to know is we need to understand uh, anger. What is anger anyways? Unless we know, we can define it, we can name it, then it's hard for us to deal with it, all right? So here's the first thing about anger. Anger is actually a physical response, okay? Here's what Proverbs 29 verse 22 says about this. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of Sin. I checked the original Hebrew language for a hot-tempered person. It is actually literally translated owner of heat. Owner of heat. When you're angry, it's actually a physical reaction. Your muscles tighten, right? Your, your heart beats faster and your blood pressure rises to facilitate this fight-or-flight response. So it's the same response that is created as when you are facing danger. It is fine when you have to kill a redback spider or poison a snake, but it's not fine when you're yelling at your wife, when you're yelling at your children. So that's the first thing about anger. The second thing that a lot of people don't know about anger is this. Anger is actually a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. It is an emotion fueled by other emotions. So it is a symptom, all right? It's like a warning light in your car, a red light blinking, telling you that you need to change your oil. So what are the other emotions? What are the other triggers that actually can set off anger? Here are just some of the few. Uh, when you're hurt, when you're frustrated, when you feel humiliated, when you are rejected, when you're afraid, when you're experiencing trauma, the secondary emotion that can come from that is anger. Parents who are angry with their, with their children might be fearful for example, of losing face. A lot of Asian parents, I know this because I grew up in an Asian home, right? They want their children to behave. They want to, their children to do well. Why? Because they don't want to lose face. They got, to, they got to be respected by their other family members, by their relatives, by their community. Especially pastors have a lot of issues with this, right? They're angry at their children because they're pastors. You know, the children cannot misbehave. Otherwise, what would people say about me? I'm the pastor of the church. But this is what we do, okay? We actually, uh, when we are angry, it's actually telling us, hey, warning, 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 something else is going on here. So now that we know what anger is, let's learn how we can deal with it, right? Dealing with anger, how do we do this? Right, with the time that I have remaining, I want to give you five quick pointers how we can deal with anger, right? Here's the first thing. The first is this. I want you to know when you're feeling this anger rising up in your body that you actually have a choice. You have a choice. Remember, last week we talked about this. Between a stimulus and a response, there is a space. And in that space is your power to choose your response. Right? Uh, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Right? That means anger itself is actually not sin. Paul did not say when you're angry, you sin. No, in your anger, do not 
sin. That means, that means the emotion of anger itself is not a sin. It's like any other emotion. When you're feeling sad, when you're feeling frustrated, it's not a sin to feel sad, right? It's not a sin to feel frustrated. In fact, I want you to be angry when you experience injustice, when you see uh, cruelty. I want you to feel angry. God wants you to feel angry at cruelty, injustice, unfairness, and so on. So you actually have a choice. It's not a sin when you're feeling angry, but what you do with it is actually what is important. So the question is, are you in control of your anger or does your anger actually control you? For some of you, you're so used to overreacting, right? You don't even realize that you have a choice because you're so used to it. You think it's an automated response. It's not. The truth is anger is actually a learned response. How you express your anger is actually a learned response. You learn how to express anger by watching your parents, some of you. You learn how to express your anger by watching your coach, by watching your teacher, by watching those people in authority around you. Okay? The good news is you can find new ways of expressing that anger. Remember, anger is not necessarily sin. But I know some Christians, they overdo this. They say, this is righteous anger. Uh, I'm telling you, 99% of your anger is not righteous anger. It's just, it's like saying, this is, this is uh, righteous, I have righteous greed. There's no such thing as righteous greed. You're just greedy, all right? There's no such thing as righteous gluttony. You're just a glutton. This is not righteous gluttony. This is like just gluttony. Just, just, just name it, right? So, so don't use that. Well, I'm like Jesus. Jesus expressed his anger righteously. This is my righteous anger. Nah, it's not, all right? Most of the time, it's not. So here's an example that you actually have a choice. You can choose your response. Proverbs 15 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you have a choice. You can choose to have a gentle answer as a response, or you can choose to have a harsh word, right? You have a choice. Let me prove it to you. When you're fighting with your husband, when you're fighting with your wife, you're yelling at each other. And then suddenly your phone rings. Oh, hey, Bob. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Hulda. Oh, Hulda's doing fine. She's well. Yes, yeah, she's just looking beautiful there in the kitchen. Yeah, how can I help you, Bob? Right? You can actually turn off anger anytime you want, but you just don't want to. That's the problem. That's our problem, right? That's why you need to learn the advice from the Bible. Actually, it is not an advice. Listen, listen to this from James, the half-brother of Jesus. He says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is not just good advice. This is actually commanded. And let me give you a tip. If you learn to do the first two commandments well, you're quick to listen, and you're slow to speak, it is easier for you to obey the third commandment, all right? And if you need any more motivation to be slow to become angry, listen to this. The Lord, your God, my God, He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
For those of you who are new to Christianity, I don't know what you have been told about God, but let me tell you, this is the real true God. He is compassionate. He is gracious, not just to anybody, to you specifically. He is gracious, compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And when God is angry, he's usually angry at sin because sin destroys you. Sin causes division. And that's the reason why God loves you. He just hates the sin that people do. So that's the good news if you don't know anything about our God. So that's the first thing. You have a choice, right? How to respond properly, correctly when you're feeling anger rising up in your body. Number two, uh, you can ask God for help. For a lot of you, you've been struggling with this for years, and you don't know that you can actually turn to God and ask for His help. Listen to John, the apostle of Jesus, who wrote this for us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us our sins. That's His promise. Isn't that wonderful? All you need to do is just confess that, God, I need your help. And, and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, we all need God's help. I need God's help, right? We can all confess our sin to God. We can all ask God to heal our hurts, to heal our bitterness, right? We can give to God our pain, our frustration, our fear, and God is ready with open arms to help you with whatever it is that you find challenging right now, especially those things that lead you to become angry. So that's number two. Number three, very quickly, you need to learn to recognize anger early. It is important for you to recognize the triggers, all right? Like I said, like, as I said before, anger is a secondary emotion. It's just a warning sign revealing something else going on. So ask yourself, why am I so angry? What are my triggers? What is the real reason why I am so angry? Listen to what Proverbs say about this. Proverbs 17, verse 27 says this, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. That means it's important. If you want to exercise restraint, if you want to be even tempered, you've got to have knowledge. You've got to have understanding, right? Be aware. If, if it means you need help, professional help, go seek professional help. It's one of the ways God wants to help you to deal with your issue, all right? So you need to be sensitive. You need to have knowledge about this. Let me give you some more knowledge about how you can fight properly so that you don't, you know, always give in to anger. The first thing is this. Don't call names. Don't say, you're just like your mother. I tried it. It didn't work, all right? <laughs> don't say that. And then don't bring up past history. Don't exaggerate. Don't say, you know, you always, you never... All right? And don't say this. We have a rule in our house to never say, I want a divorce. Never say that. Right? Don't give the devil a foothold in your relationship. And then finally, number one, this is the most important. Don't quote your pastor. <laughs> don't involve me in your fight. Right? Leave me alone. Leave me alone. All right. I know I say a lot of good stuff from here, but don't involve me. All right. <laughs> Just a few tips for you. So number three, learn to recognize anger early so that you know how to deal with it. And then number four, if you actually are fighting and you say things that, you know, hurt each other and all that and you can't resolve it, make sure you learn to resolve your anger quickly. 
Paul actually gives us a really, really good advice, especially if you're a married couple, right? This applies to everybody, but especially if you're a married couple, listen to his really, really awesome advice. He says this, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. What that means is learn to resolve it quickly. All right? I don't know how we know this, but every married couple, we just know how to fight well. We know the rules, right? We all know the rules. Nobody taught us, but we all know the rules. Rule number one, for example, whoever uh, speaks first loses, right? So we don't want to be the first one who talks. Okay. And then rule number two, you get a point for facing away from each other when you sleep. If you yank the blanket, you get extra point. Right? But Paul says, no, don't do it. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Talk about it. If you talk until 4 o'clock in the morning, you're so tired you will agree to anything. Let me tell you. Okay? So try it for those of you who are married. And then finally, number five, this is probably the most important. My time is up. And this is what you need to pay attention to. I want you to learn to overlook an offense. This is probably the most important, the most helpful one. This will prevent you in the future from always having to fight anger in your life. All right? Learn to overlook an offense. Listen, Proverbs 19 says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to your own glory. It is to your own benefit to overlook an offense. Look, it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye, you know, to sin. It doesn't mean that we negate justice. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you are willing to forgive. It does mean that you refuse to hold grudges. Say to yourself, I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be offended. If anyone deserves to be offended, it was Jesus, right? But Jesus just refused to be offended. If something that was done to you was trivial, let it slide. If it's not trivial, determine to forgive. It is important, especially if you're a Christ follower. You need to learn to forgive. I need to learn to forgive. Listen, Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The key word is just as, because you have already received forgiveness from Christ. And compared to the offense people made against you, your offense to God is so great, the offense done to you is chump change, is pocket change in comparison. Why don't you learn to forgive? All right? And then, this is the most important part of all. You get to recognize that your husband your wife, your child, they're not the enemy. Listen, they're not the enemy. Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the dark power out there wants to destroy you, right? Your husband is not the enemy. Your wife is not the enemy. Your child is not the enemy. Your parent is not the enemy. 
Your pastor is not the enemy. The real enemy is out there. You've got to recognize this. And when you recognize this, I reckon you'll be more willing to forgive, to forget, you know, to, to just uh, let it slide and so on. Okay? And it will mend the relationship. It will, it will give you the right perspective. It's like, hang on. Who am I talking to here? I'm talking to my husband. I'm talking to my wife. I'm not talking to the enemy. The enemy is taking advantage of the situation. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your relationship. All right? Do these five things. I believe God wants to help you. I believe it doesn't matter how long you've been struggling with this. There is a way out. All right? There is a better way to not overreact all the time, causing damage everywhere you go. I believe there's an answer. Can you imagine if every husband, every wife, every Christian learned to forgive, overlook an offense? Man, what a great church, what a great family, what a great community we will have. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.